We welcome you this morning. I am Perry Jones, a pastor elder here at King's Chapel. We welcome you as we worship together. And as in these very tough times, we trust the Lord and we know he cares for us because we cast our cares on him. And so I want to do that for just a bit as we take our hearts to him in prayer. If you join me in prayer together this morning. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we thank you for your love for us. For you've demonstrated your love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Your precious Son loves us and is with us even today. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. And we know that we can trust him. And Lord, we ask your blessing upon our nation, upon our president and upon our vice president as they make very difficult decisions, as they need thy wisdom to help this nation back to uh, work and help them to come to where you want them to be. We just pray, dear God, for your blessing upon them. We also pray for those who are struggling with fear and anxiety and loneliness and isolation. And we know that these are tough times for those things. And we ask, dear Lord, that you would, you would be their heart. You would go with them and bless them and help people to know that they can trust you and that you will handle all of those things with them and help them. And we ask your blessing upon those who have lost loved ones, and those who are afraid for loved ones. We know, dear Jesus, that we can cast our care upon you. We pray for King's Chapel. We pray for our lead pastor, Lou, and his family, and all of our pastors and families, and all of our members. We thank you for all those who are joining us today, the friends of King's Chapel. And we ask, dear Lord, that you will superintend and show us your hand in our lives and in our nation. And Lord, humble us under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt us in due time. And we give you our hearts, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. These are tough times. But yet these are times that God can use King's Chapel and many other places. And down at Capital City Rescue Mission, we're finding some tough times. I don't think you've ever been in times like this. But I can tell you this, as I walk through these times... I see God's hand constantly. And, and I say, Lord, you're here. You showed up. You're with us. You haven't abandoned us. You're not gone. You are with us. And, and I want everybody to, to seek his face, to know he hasn't gone. At the city mission, I tell people we're full. And this church here at King's Chapel supports us. And many of you who are even listening, not even part, you support us. But I, I watch people uh, eager to have a place to put their faith, and they're in Christ. And we're finding semi-revival conditions at times in our chapel meetings at City Mission. We have full full house. We're, a, we're one of those agencies that has to be open. <laughs> and we're full house. And yet I've never seen in a long, long time that I remember people's hearts open to the Lord the way they are now. And in tough times, Jesus is there. In tough times, the Lord has not abandoned us. And he is walking with us. And these are not common times for us. And so I say, Lord, thank you. So we're receiving blessings constantly. And he has encouraged my heart because every day is a new thing. Every day is a new almost trial and, and challenge. Today we're going to be in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8, verses 40 to 48. We're going to be looking at Jesus 
on a rescue mission in tough times. As we've just got done saying, Christ Jesus is with us in our trial. He is with us in our challenge. He has not abandoned us. He has not gone away. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Lord, thank you for that promise. I can cling to it. And here at King's, we cling to that promise that our Lord Jesus Christ is walking with us through this. He's the compassionate Lord of all creation. He is seeking and saving the lost through us. And sometimes in these tough times, our hearts are more open to him. And I know mine is. It's saying, Lord, I need you more now than I've ever thought I've needed you. And you're here. Thank you, Lord. In these times, Christ shares his compassion for the sick and for the broken. The Bible says he was moved for compassion for the crowds. They were like sheep, didn't have a shepherd. They were, they were wandering, they didn't know which way to go, and Christ Jesus became a shepherd to them. He's our shepherd. He also shows his credentials that he has power, that he is the Lord of all creation, and that the eyes of the blind will be opened, and the lame shall leap, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped, because he is God's precious and holy anointed one, chosen to come to help us in our trouble. And then he speaks forth the good news, that there is forgiveness of sin, because he paid for our penalty of all of our sin. He paid for all of our sins on Calvary's tree, and today stands with us as our Savior. And we have a wonderful message to take, to turn from your sin and turn to Christ and give him your heart. And he'll forgive you, and he'll be your Savior for all eternity. And that, that's it. I, I, I like the three things that Jesus had that we all need. First of all, he had compassion for us. He loved us to the point of his own death. He also had, he had this wonderful authority that no one else has. All authority in heaven and earth is in my Savior. If I say I want to go to the top, I want to go to the place where it has the highest authority, I go to my Jesus because he has authority. He has authority over all the challenges and over all the virus and over everything that we're dealing with today. Christ has that. And he also has the power to heal and bless and save. And I'm glad for that power because it's a power that we need from him. Well, as we look with Jesus in tough times in Luke chapter 8, he is going on a mission in the midst of the crowds. In fact, they were pressing in upon him. And that's where we take it in verse 40, the determined crowd. Now, when Jesus had returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. He's where we would want him to be. He is being pressed. In this passage, they use a term that they use when they're pressing grapes together and squeezing them. And that's where Jesus was. He was in the streets, and people were pressing and closing in upon him. And he was going down the street. He could hardly even move. They were, they were all over him. And that's where we are in this passage today. He's in, in the little village of Capernaum, where his headquarters were down on the Sea of Galilee. The immediate context, Jesus has been in the upper Galilee area doing a ministry, month after month, out on the streets with the people. And he had gone over to the Gentile side of things across the Jordan into a place called Gadara. And he had found this homeless man who had, was naked and cutting himself and screaming and beating people. He couldn't be controlled. Then Jesus rebuked the demons that were in him and set him free. 
and he sat there in his right mind. And we're not going into that story, but he's coming back in the boat after a terrible storm that got him over there. He's coming back to Capernaum where he left the crowds for a little bit and went over there. And now he's coming back and they hear he's back and they crowd in on top of him. And he doesn't run. He doesn't isolate himself from those who are broken. Trouble wasn't too much for him in the street. He was right there with them. And he's right there with us today. Large crowd. They waited for him to return. He had been healing them. He had been loving them. He had been giving them encouragement. They had never had a message like his. They had never heard the gospel with such power that he preached. And that's where we find him. On his way through Capernaum with the crowds just pressing in upon him. When I think of today and all the spacing (laughs) that goes on in our culture, and rightfully so, I'm thinking there was no spacing going on at that day with Jesus. They were all over him. (laughs) They were pressing and touching and wanting him and then saying, Jesus, help us, help us, help us, help us. And he was right there with them. And he's right here today. The Bible says that wasn't just a determined crowd. Now, some of that crowd, you have to understand, some of them were curiosity seekers. Some of them actually loved him and had a real heart of faith already. And then there were others who hated him. It's a mixed crowd that came out. And the same today in our culture. A very mixed up crowd. Some with him. Some just wanted to see a curious move. And others who wanted to kill him. But he's out there, and the Bible says, a desperate father came up in verse 41 to 42. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come down to his house, for he had an only daughter, about 12 years of old, and she was dying. Mark says, my little daughter is at the point of death. Now, she was 12 years old, but you know, daddies and their daughters, uh, it doesn't matter what age. My little daughter, my little daughter needs you. A couple things about him. He has an elite status. This man is a synagogue ruler. He's probably one of the most powerful men in that area. He ran the synagogue in Capernaum. He had authority, respect, financial status. He was a leader of the synagogue, and many of those that he led and many of the leadership and possibly even himself, they, they were skeptical. They were skeptical of Christ. They thought for sure that he was a fraud. They thought for sure that he had a false message. But then a challenge took place. A challenge that any dad would just, wouldn't know what to do. He watched his little girl of 12 years old laying down, dying of a fever. Boy, that'll change everything. He's a leader of the synagogue. He can do nothing about it. But he's been watching this Jesus, this prophet of Nazareth. He's been watching him doing outright healings all over the Capernaum area. He says, I'm going to talk to him. I believe he probably can do this. I believe in him. I'm going to him. And now he's on. He's literally falling down before Jesus and said, Jesus, I'm desperate. There's nothing else I can do. And even though we hate to see the challenges that are with us today in this virus, oh, I pray out of it will come desperate hearts for Christ. And I believe it, they will. 
I've already seen it at the city mission. The other night I was preaching at the city mission. About a hundred and some folk in our big day room where they're there anyway, they're there. And I preached and a young fella came up, 41 years old. He said, I need the Lord Jesus Christ, man. His life was a wreck. And he made a decision to follow Christ that night. And I was thinking, Lord, in these toughest times, you're bringing people right up to us and saying, I need Jesus. Jairus, what do you need? He says, I need my daughter, and I know he can do it. Wow. Elite, but yet an emergency. 12-year-old daughter. He lays aside the animosity of his Jewish leadership, and he comes to Christ. Lay it all aside. Whatever is keeping you away from Jesus Christ today, whatever is keeping you away from him and skeptical, I'm saying lay it aside and just humbly come because he will not, the Bible says, break a bruised reed or snuff out a smoldering flax, Isaiah said. He's there to be wonderful for people. A desperate, a desperate father. Oh, Lord, what are you going to do? The Bible tells us that Jesus went down with him. He said yes. There was no animosity in Christ's heart against this man. He came to seek and to save that which is lost. Lord, today you're going to do that. Hopefully through this broadcast. And then this week as we go, every one of us in King's Chapel, in the membership, in the leadership as we go out and we tell people about him, as we become a bit of Christ to them and how we act and how we speak, we're going to see some different things. And Lord, we thank you for that. So he's on his way. Walking with Jesus to go back and help this little girl. Now, because Peter tells us in his in his words that the proud, the crowd was pressing in upon Jesus, and he uses a word that's like grapes, you know, being crushed. The press. So we don't know how fast Jesus is able to get from where he was to get to the house of Jairus, but we expect it probably took a little bit of time, and there was a lot of crowding, and then. The third point this morning, yes, we, we, we have seen this precious man desperate for Christ, a very determined crowd to press in upon him, but now we see a divine interruption. You know, God interrupts, doesn't he? <laughs> he interrupts our plans. He interrupts our lives and comes and allows for the wonderful things to happen that often come when we're not focused on that, but that's what God is. And here in this passage, there's a divine interruption. Most of us in this culture, in this climate, and in this country see this virus as an unwelcomed interruption. And, oh, Lord, that would have passed us by, but it didn't. And yet we know that our God is with us and will give us blessing through it and help us through it, and we pray for his help to get past it. We pray for his help for it to go. But in chapter 8, verse 43, the scripture says, as Jesus went, he's with Jairus, they're going on a mission. The people pressed around him like grapes as we serve being crushed. 
And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. Wow. So he's on his way through. And somebody's focused on him. The focus is on Christ. And this is a woman. He's a ruler. He's got Christ's attention. And this ruler, Jairus, is on his way to the house, not dragging Jesus, but leading Christ down to his little girl who is dying at that present time. He's a ruler. She's an outcast. She's a woman that nobody would dare touch. Nobody would dare have anything to do with her. And she's looking for Jesus, too. It's amazing that Christ is here for the so-called elite, but he's also for the outcast. I deal with outcast people all day long at the city mission. People have said, I don't have anywhere else to go but to you at the city mission. And I said, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, we can be open, and that churches like King's and many others have supported us so that we can stay open as a lighthouse to those who nobody wants anything to do with. And I tell you, Jesus is at work in that group. She was chronically sick, but she was an outcast, and yet he was rich and she was poor. He was renowned for his position, a very high-level position, and she was rejected by anybody that even came in contact with her. He was honored. Wherever he went, people say, oh, the synagogue ruler is here. The synagogue ruler. The sy- oh, make way. Uh, first place. He, he's up on the front row. He's honored. She is scorned. When she came around, people would say, come on, get, get, get away from us. You're, you're impure. She had a discharge of blood for 12 years. This man had the beauty of a beautiful daughter for 12 years. And while he was rejoicing and bouncing this lovely little girl on his knee and taking care of her and watching her grow, she was suffering every moment of that day that he was rejoicing. You can see two different folk here. Thank you, Jesus, for reaching up and out and those who are down and out and everybody in between. Well, her sad state, not only the 12 years, she was chronically sick. An issue of blood or hemorrhage coming from a lady like that who for the last 12 years was in constant suffering and losing blood all the time. And always happened to be trying to deal with that, which was terrible. But she was suffering and felt weak, constantly weak, because That's where our energy is in our blood. And when you don't have the flow of blood like you're supposed to to your body, she was totally sick all the time. And very unclean and in fear of death. Chronically sick. Sometimes when we deal with the chronically sick in the United States, we have them in all kinds of places. And today, please pray for those who are in nursing homes, assisted living facilities, and places where they, they're in fear because of their chronic illness, they are also uh, much more likely to have problems with this virus. She was chronically sick. We can kind of understand now where she was. Not just chronically sick. She was constantly shunned. 
I'm a little carried away with my liter, uh, my, my uh, uh, alphabet here. But she was chronically sickened, but she was constantly shunned. The Bible says in the book of Leviticus 15.25, if a woman has a discharge of blood for many days, other than the time of her customary impurity, or it runs beyond the usual time of her impurity, all the days of her unclean discharge shall be as the days of her customary, customary impurity. She shall be unclean. She couldn't be around friends, family, husbands. Couldn't be at the temple. Couldn't be at the temple in the times of feast days. She couldn't be in the synagogue. Some people say right now, I know what it feels to be isolated. Many of you are in a time of isolation. You're home a lot. You, you try to get out some carefully, but you find that you want this over. I know here at King's Chapel as elders, our, I watch our elders to the point of great sorrow because they want to be with you. <laughs> they feel, and I love to see that, when shepherds of a flock just want to be with their flock and bless them and love them and grow together and honor Christ. She was constantly shunned. Can you imagine? Anywhere you went, people would say, keep your distance, keep your distance. We don't know, you, 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 you're unclean. When the homeless come into the city mission, and I would like to say thank God, and you pray for us, there's been a hedge of protection around us, but we, we haven't had a known case amongst our clients. So thank God for that. That God would give us just protection in his so- sovereign care, and he has been doing that. I'm not saying we have never had a case, we just don't have any known cases, and God has blessed us that way. She was constantly shunned. And then she was cordoned off spiritually. <laughs> she was not allowed in the synagogue. So all these others, and even Jairus, who, who ran the synagogue, she wouldn't be allowed in there. She couldn't go down to the temple on feast days for Passover and other feasts. It would be like somebody saying, you can't come into church. Don't come in that door because we can't have you in here. But one of the tragic things that comes with that is she couldn't go into the synagogue and hear people exposit the holy word of God. She was shut out from the scriptures for the most part of her life. And that's sad. But people don't have the word of God. That's what I love about King's Chapel. All of our leadership is as the word of God goes forth. It tells people to turn from their sins and come to Jesus Christ. But she wasn't there. She was cordoned off. It doesn't mean she didn't have faith because when or she, she did have faith in Jesus because he came to her. She couldn't go into the synagogue and hear people expounding God's word, but He could come to her. Also, she was cast struck. <laughs> she was chronically sick. She was constantly shunned. She was cordoned off spiritually, and she was cast struck. This miserable, uh, poor lady, at the result of physicians who didn't know what they were doing, and we thank God for our physicians today before we take any shots at them. <laughs> Because God has used them and is using them in our culture. Pray for them and the nurses and all those who do wonderful work amongst those who are sick right now. Thank you, doctors and 
nurses and medical people. But this woman had gone to what would be called quack positions at times, or people who didn't really know what was going in a sad state of event, had used everything she had financially to get a cure, and it didn't happen. And some of them were weird, as you're reading the studies on this, that sometimes they would take an ostrich egg, the egg itself, and cook it down in the ashes and put it in a little a linen sachet and put it on their necks, and that's, that costs money for them to be told that. Here's your pharmacy giving you ostrich egg ashes. Didn't work, though. Another one was to take a pile of donkey dung and go through it and pick out all of the barley kernels that weren't digested (laughs) and put them in a little bag and put them, I'm thinking, really? Who told you to do this? (laughs) And how much did he charge you to do this? But I'm going to tell you, when you're sick like she was, (laughs) you'd do anything. And she did. She was cash-struck. Jesus, you have time for her because you've got... You've got the head guy dragging you to his house to heal his daughter who is sick of a terrible fever. And he's the top of the pile. And now one of the toughest ladies in that crowd is watching you as you're walking down. Now she's not mixing it because she's not supposed to mix, but she's watching. That's her sad state. Now her spectacular salvation in verse 44. She came up behind him. Now we're talking stealth. (laughs) We're talking stealth here. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. And immediately her discharge of blood ceased. She had faith in Jesus. And she said, if I only touch his garment in Matthew 9.20, I shall be made well. She was one of those ones because she wasn't able to get over the shunning that was going on. She had to watch from a distance, and she was watching, and she says, you know what? He's the real deal. He's the Savior of mankind. He is one I trust. I don't trust any of these. I've been hurt by doctor after doctor after doctor with weird things, but I trust him. I don't trust those doctors anymore. They took all my money, and they gave me these things, these Things that didn't work. But I trust Jesus. But I can't get too close to him because the crowds would look at me and said, who allowed you in here next to us? You keep your distance from us. You're unclean. So she knew what it was to be shunned. But she knew what it was to crave a relationship with Jesus Christ and to know him. So in a stealth way, she came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. I don't think she was trying to be weird, thinking that, you know, just rub something and you're going to get, you know, you're going to rub something off on him. She just, I just need to get a touch of the master. And I'll touch one of the four tassels that came out of a, of a, of a man like this, a Jewish man, a leader. He would have had those. And that it reminded him, as he saw the tassels at the bottom, just little tassels with, with white and blue that that would be a good thing to touch. It represented his commitment to the word of God. Jesus, 
the touch is a little different here, and I don't want to get too carried away with that, but I will tell you this. There's three voices in the Greek language, active voice, passive voice, and middle. Now, we know what active is, you know, I did something. We know passive is somebody did something to me or something happened to me. The middle says, I did something. It's kind of close to the active. I did something, but I did it because I desperately needed it. I wanted to do it. I did it for myself. It's, it's, the, it's the voice of myself. I did this, but I did it for me. There's something in me that needed that, and that's the voice we have here. She says, I'm touching you, Jesus, because I need you. It's about me, yes, because I need you. And it's not just the touch of, oh, how am I just touched you? No, it's the touch of, of clinging. There's one other place in the New Testament where this is shown is when Mary was at the tomb of Jesus. And she said, Master. And she, she came and clutched him. Eventually he said, Mary, stop clinging to me. I've got to go back to my father. You can't hold me here forever with you. And that is the same thing. It's a clinging. It's a clinging of the soul. This middle voice that says, I need you for me. I need you for me, Jesus. And she grabbed him. She touched the hem of his garment. And she had faith in him. And she was made, her discharge of blood ceased immediately. Can you imagine what that would be like? Twelve years in agony. Every day you're getting up, you can hardly walk because you're so weak. And all of a sudden you feel a wellspring of the Son of God over you. It's powerful. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Nothing like it. Jesus, thank you. He's here today, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's our master. He's the authority. Jesus Christ, my, my Savior. And she now is not the same anymore. She has been touched by the master. But there was one more step that she needed. She had faith in Christ. She's now been made whole. She's had this faith in him and no, it was clinging to him, knowing that he's the answer, he's the answer, he's the answer. And finally, Jesus said, who, who touched me? Who is it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. Peter is attempt. Peter always had to say something quickly. So he says, come on, they're like grapes here. They're pressing, they're pressing in on you. What do you mean somebody touched you? And I, I think Jesus said, okay, uh, smart Alec. No. <laughs> I think Jesus is saying, Peter, Peter, it's not the kind of touch I was talking about. Yeah, there's a billion people. I can hardly move through this crowd in these very narrow streets. But it's not about that kind of a touch, Peter. I perceive power has gone out from me. There's been a touch of faith on my life. And when you come to faith in Jesus Christ and you come to faith to touch him and love him and want him, he knows about it. He knows the touch of faith from your heart to his. He knew the touch. He said something has happened. Somebody has come with faith and power has gone forth from me to that person. Wow, that, that's heavy theology. <laughs> Lord Jesus, you know that? Yeah, I know it. And when the woman saw she was not hidden, came trembling and fell down before him. Because he stopped the whole crowd. He said, somebody just touched me. It's the touch of faith, Peter. It's not the touch of just pressing in on me. If somebody wanted what I could do for them. Yep, 
So she becomes trembling. She says, "Uh uh-oh, now the spotlight's... The one who always has to stay out of the spotlight now is in the spotlight. The one who is always sun now is center stage. Oh, Lord Jesus has a way of doing that, doesn't he? He'll use you. Sometimes you think you don't want to be center stage, and he'll use you that way. Maybe this week is your week to be in center stage and give a profession of faith to somebody or some some group about Jesus. And so she's... Uh, she comes out, and it said, and she told the people. She declared in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him. Why did you touch him? And how she had been healed immediately. Thank you, Lord. Maybe to this week for you, you'll turn from all that is there in your life that's you're in trouble about. You'll turn from your sin and all of your inadequacy and you'll come to Jesus. You'll touch the hem of his garment, as it were, and say, Jesus, everything else I've tried, everything else I've done, all the doctors, all the methods and everything, I can't do it. Jesus, I come to you. As meager and as humble as I can, save my soul and make me whole. And he did both for her. Because now, I love what he says next to her. Verse 48, he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Not a lot, but a whole lot of meaning. He calls her daughter. I was looking up this Greek word last night. I'm thinking, Jesus, what is this? This is just the old Greek word, thugater, thugater, daughter. If you went home, you might say to your daughter, daughter, come over here. You probably have another cute name for him. <laughs> First time, the only time in Scripture Jesus calls anybody daughter. He was an unmarried man. But he has many sons and daughters. <laughs> and he says daughter, Dugata, the Greek language. <laughs> Saying, Lord, is she your daughter? Yes, she's a child of the kingdom now. <laughs> she's in the family. He said sozo, which is a Greek word for salvation, he said, your faith has made you well or saved you. Twice in the book of Luke, he tells the prostitute at his feet, and he tells the one leper that came back after having been cleansed, he says, your faith has sozoed or saved you in the Greek language. And I think he's saying, you're not the same. You put faith in me. You put faith in big authority and big power. And now I want you to go walking in shalom, peace, well-being. Boy, I have to say that again, Jesus. That's what I wanted all along anyway. You're my daughter. You're in the kingdom. Praise the Lord. And today I pray, as you're hearing, and you need to become a child of the king, a child of the Lord Jesus Christ in his kingdom. It's open. (laughs) The door is open. He wants to touch you and give you peace. Well, lastly speaking, We're going to go back to Jairus. We didn't forget about him, but an interruption happened in the middle of going to his house. An interruption happened, and the interruption is this precious woman that Christ turned her life upside down. (laughs) And now the daughter of Jairus is raised. We don't have the time to go in there, but he's on his way. And I don't know about you, but I'm not sure where Jairus was on this. 
I don't know if Jairus was behind Jesus, like, oh, come on, come on, come on, she's dying. We gotta push you. We gotta, and then keeping the crowds out. Hey guys, stay away from him. I got a duty with him. <laughs> now, I don't know about any of that. We're not told that. But someone from the ruler's house came and said, your daughter is dead. Don't worry about it. Don't trouble the master anymore. She died. Now, we don't have time to go into all of that. You can go and read that. But Jesus said, do not fear, only believe, and she will be made well. And the father and mother believed. They said, you can do that, Lord. We know you could rise her from the dead. There's faith all around. The elite had faith, and the outcasts had faith, and everybody were coming by faith, would find that he is more than adequate. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter except Peter, John, James, and the father and mother of the child. So he gets there, he sends out all the professional mourners, all those who are there, and says, we're going in alone. And he takes his precious 12-year-old, and he's taking her by the hand, he called, saying, child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up at once. He directed something to be given her to eat, and her parents were amazed. But he charged them not to tell anybody. Oh, Lord Jesus, thank you for that. Because this young lady now is raised from the grave, and that family has had a touch of the master's hand, too. Luke 19.10 says that Jesus, he said, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. You say, what's Jesus doing today? He's bringing people to himself. He's washing their sins away. He's forgiving them. He's becoming Lord and Savior of their life. And they're saying, Jesus, I give up. I need you as my Savior and Lord. And today I invite you, Jesus, into my heart and life. Take over. You're in charge. I'm not. He is the sovereign God. Nothing escapes him. Challenges come that we don't understand. Mysteries happen that we don't understand. But my Jesus knows why. And he has promised to never leave us or forsake us. He's with us. He's with us in this virus. He's with us in this this whole world of activity. Calling people to himself. Giving salvation and love. Now then, we as ambassadors for Christ... Though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Come home. If you're out here listening today, come to him. Oh, Lord Jesus. Where are you, Jesus? I'm right with you. Just like in this day, he was always out amongst those in great need. He's still here. We're going to praise him. Uh, We're going to thank him. We're going to go forth in his name. We're going to say, Jesus, there's nobody like you. You're saving, you're seeking, you're blessing. Father, we come before you. We've watched Jesus work. What a powerful Savior. And Lord Jesus, we ask that you would go before us this week. That we would have the opportunity to stand for you. And Lord, I do pray for your blessing upon each person that's listening today. That they'll know my Jesus is here. He's in our midst. He's never leaving us. He's never forsaking us. And Lord, there might be someone that says, 
I'm turning from my sin to Christ. Right now, I'm going to ask him to be in my life. I'm going to be just like the women. I've tried everything else, but I realize that Jesus is the answer. He died for me. He rose again. He lives forever. And he seeks to save my very soul. And I give you heart, my heart, Jesus. Save me. Forgive me. And be my Lord and Savior. We thank you for your grace. Help us to go forth this week. Help all the medical professionals and many others who are caretakers. Bless them and go before them. But, oh, Jesus, that we might be your hands and heart and voice to a hurting population. In Jesus' name, amen.